For the next nomination, we have two of Hollywood's most popular stars. Nominate myself as the new leader! Senator Palpatine has been nominated to succeed Valorum as Supreme Chancellor. A surprise, to be sure. But it worked. They nominate that wolf for acting? <laughs> okay. Who's seeing next? I nominate young Berta here. Oh, Flacknall nominations. Order offers on Flacknall nominations. And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. On The Soundcast, we talk about all things film music, all things TV music, all things game music. And if that's the kind of music you're into, then I think you found the right podcast. On this episode, which is episode 78, no, 79, I keep getting them wrong, but we're on 79, (laughs) we're going to be discussing the nominations for Best Score for the Academy Award, the 87th Academy Awards, and we're going to be talking about all five of this year's nominees. We're also going to be giving our man, Edmund Meinertz, his chance to get in on the Battle of the Five Armies conversation. He wasn't able to make it for episode 78 with uh, Doug Adams. And so we're going to spend a few moments ta- letting him get his points in and correcting us and all our <laughs> mistakes. Um, and of course, Edmund Minert is on the line with us, as is Marius Massilar and Richard Buxton. Guys, how you doing? Excellent. Yep. Very good indeed. Awesome. Good to be it's back. Great. <laughs> great to have you guys all on. Um, it's really It's the first time that all of us have been together uh, on, on an episode this year, and it's already February. Um, we are going to also do our What Have You Been Listening To uh, segment. And actually, let's start right there right now and find out uh, what do you guys, what have you been listening to? And we'll start with Richard. What have you been listening to? Um, well, like everybody else, I've been trying out Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. Um... I think I'm going to be the only one that says this, but I don't think it's that special. Um, <laughs> mainly because I don't really like Giacchino's music that much. Ah, well, there you go. Aside from Medal of Honor, of course. But, okay. Um, There's a little bit of that in there now. Yeah, but it's not... I don't know, it's been ages since I've heard it, but uh, I don't think he's done anything quite on that level, really. And this is just more of the same. I don't really hear anything different. Different than... any action-adventure movie he's done. Really? Hmm. Interesting. There's no there's quite parts a... to his music. I, I don't think he does anything better than anyone else could, if they were trying to attempt that style. Um, hmm. I can tell it's him. Yeah. But I'm at the same time I'm not thinking. Oh, only Giacchino could do this. Yeah. If you know do you I mean. have to think that? No, but it's just that, he, and for that reason, he doesn't really stand out. Oh, as a composer I see. To me. I gotcha. Well, we are going to do uh, an upcoming episode of the Soundcast on Jupiter Ascending. Um, so um, I think almost all of us have been listening to it since it released. So um, uh, needless to say, there's going to be more to say on Jupiter Ascending in the very near future. But what else have you been listening to? Um, a video game score for Fantasy Star Universe called Save This World. It's composed by Hideaki Kobayashi primarily. Um, I think the game originally Final Fantasy was first and then two days later Fantasy Star came out like 25 years ago so this album also has a 25th anniversary concert which is pretty good I think it's all on YouTube as well if you want to check it out it's big orchestral suites so it's got a lot of themes 
Nice. And it's just, how did you, what, sorry? I was going to say, how did you come across it? I was just searching on um, BGMDB. Do you know the oh, website? Oh, okay. Yep. And actually, I just searched for one of the orchestras. I figured the Warsaw um, Philharmonic's pretty good orchestra. so hmm. And it gives you the list of every single score that uses that orchestra. Um, if it's in an animation or a, a video game score. Mm-hmm. And so I figured I'd try it out on YouTube. And it's, um, yeah, it's all on there and it's pretty good. Nice, nice. It's a useful little website, actually. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like, additional composer information on there that I had otherwise not known about. Oh, I see. That's VG... VG... MDB. MDB. Yeah, video Game Music Database. Dot com, right? VG... Uh, yeah. VGD yeah. VGB... What was it? MDB. 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 So, like, IMDB, like, but... But with oh, VG. Yeah, right. yeah. Gotcha. So check that out if you're if you need to do some research on your video game. Yeah, uh, like Edmund said, history. it has huge amounts of information when they can get it, I suppose. Right. Every individual uh, orchestra performer, yeah. Are you familiar with that title, Marius? Yeah, I um, I think I'm on it actually. It's uh, it's a really good site, and it's it's run sort of like Wikipedia, where people can contribute, and uh, so it is it is actually one of the best places to look for info that you typically don't get elsewhere. Um, just sort of detailed liner note style stuff. It, uh, it tends to appear there. So yeah, definitely a great site. Actually, I meant the, the title, the, that, that particular piece of video game music. <laughs> the fan that, uh, yeah, no, I don't know the, um, I mean, I know star the fantasy universe. star, um, stuff, but I don't know this particular release. Okay. So I have you to said, track it when down. When did you say it was released? The, uh, this one is 2006, but I meant the original game was, the very first game was like 1980 something. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, it's it's an ancient oh. ancient series. Okay. Yeah, alongside the original Final Fantasy, like you said. Oh right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I okay. assume they kind of copied the name, but, but uh, changed it to a PH. Two days, two, day, two days later, though, they two were days, fast. Yeah. So. <laughs> I guess just that's good. But it's, yeah, it's really good stuff. So. Okay, and you're listening. To- to another video game uh, score. No, this is a, from the official. This is 2002 FIFA World Cup official anthem by Van Gallis. This is oh, from the, the actual thing. The real tournament. I, I never, I, I never knew he wrote a piece for that. Yeah, you should check it out. It's really good. Um, <laughs> does it sound all Van Gallisy, like typical Van Gallis, or is it something yeah, different? a little bit. Yeah, it's got more real stuff to it, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. And it was set in South Korea. The tournament in South Korea and. Uh, Japan, so it's got a little bit of that flavor as well. YouTube? It is on YouTube, yeah. It's also got a really weird synthesized, like, electronic version, which is, it's not so bad, but I oh, guess... that's his thing. Yeah, but it's like a dance track, which is kind of strange. Oh, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it starts out with huge drums, and then suddenly the annoying beat comes in. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I thought, I originally thought it was going to be the eventual permanent theme for the world cup but it was only used in 2002 so oh, you know when when they can do a new one every year and sell it yeah but normally now it's just a song so yeah oh really think, yeah they didn't have Jennifer a Lopez the last, last couple time, which is bad oh so they just have someone reinterpret it each year no 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 it's a completely different song every year so i originally thought that was going to happen so a different theme for each country so last year would be brazil um, right but nowadays, it's in 2002, they first had an Anastasia song alongside the Vanguard's theme. 
huh. and then 2006, I can't remember, 2010? No, yeah, Shakira. 10, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, Shakira, yeah. And then last year was Jennifer Lopez and some other guy, some rapper, I can't remember. But normally they turn out pretty terrible, so... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I I'm very curious. Okay. Listening. Yeah, that was okay, I guess. Such a diverse listening um, list you have every time, Richard. <laughs> um, Marius, what have you been listening to? Um, I've been spinning Jupiter Ascending as well. Um, and also, I've kind of been going through Big Hero 6 um, by Henry Jackman, which is not like an amazing score or anything, but for some reason there are a few cues in there that I find really charming and it might just be because I really, really like that movie hmm. and I'm eager to see it again when it's out on Blu-ray. So I've just, uh, yeah, I've gone back to it, but to be honest, I haven't had a huge amount of listening time because it's been a kind of writing e period of time for me instead. All right. So I'm looking forward to digging into more of the Oscar scores um, or digging more deeply into them. Right. Uh, interesting because I was really underwhelmed by Big Hero 6 both the film and the score a little bit um, uh, and, but I don't know the score really I get you it. but the movie really yeah yeah huh. uh, I was, I've heard that reaction from a couple corners so I'm not a hundred I'm not hugely surprised um, I liked everything in the film that had to do with Baymax uh, but I I think that the superhero side of it was like really really standard yeah it was i mean the world side i mean okay the world building was interesting and yeah and cool but yeah, i don't know i don't know, I know just why. everything everything to do with like the villain and yeah yeah i don't know it, it felt a little vanilla for some reason for me oh um but that's uh, big hero six by henry jackman who's yeah getting Keeping quite busy these days. Yeah, for sure. it really is. He really is getting himself on the North Korean hit list. How do you think it compares to um, the other CGI Disney movies? Big Hero Six. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is that? What, what, are you, what are we comparing it to? Frozen, Frozen which Tangled. which I. Tang- I mean, I'm a fan of Tangled. I, I enjoyed that film quite a bit and uh, enjoyed Alan Alan Menken's work on that. Um, Frozen, I maintain, is nothing more than mediocre at best yeah. um, for me. So it wasn't, wasn't wasn't saying much if I liked it better than Frozen, which I did, but not by m- much, I'll okay. say. I like it better than Frozen just because I think I like that kind of movie more than I like the Frozen kind of movie. And also Frozen, the overexposure of Frozen has really kind of ruined it for me. Oh, for sure. It's for sure. It's just it's unbearable at this stage. <laughs> Um, I don't like it as much as Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, good comparison. I would choose Wreck-It Ralph over that. I would choose yeah. Wreck-It Ralph. Would you really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, Wreck-It Ralph wasn't spectacular, but I would. Uh, I, I felt a connection to the characters a little bit more. I don't know why, but I did. I think they're, <laughs> they're, they're actually very closely comparable. They're very mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. The scores as well. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed in the Wreck-It Ralph score, as I recall now, that it didn't take that video game thing further uh, <laughs> than, you know, incorporating it into the score. They could, I think they could have done more. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. Um, and I, to tell you the truth, I couldn't tell you one note from Big Hero 6 right now. It's just, just mm-hmm. a big vacuous nothing. I yeah, it's it's anything. very forgettable. It's, it's, it's really kind of... 
it's an extension of that Wreck-It Ralph kind of upbeat electronica with with the usual sort of John Powell style orchestral writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those two like, those two scores go hand in hand as far yeah. as the sonic envelope. They're just they're really yeah. close, but there's there's charming moments in them. I mean, that's that's really the only reason I was uh, going yeah. back to it is there are sure. cues that really have some some pleasing simple music that is you know it's charming it's like not even a guilty pleasure it's just a, a simple i need pleasure to i of. need to re-listen because i don't think i've listened to it maybe one time after it's i an, saw it's film. very enjoyable it's very <laughs> undemanding there was a there was a video game trailer that released just before just after big hero 6 that when i saw it i was like this is what big hero 6 should have been and i can't think is that of the any- one in that like gallery for yes and they're shooting the monsters yes i was like oh it's the blizzard game yeah yes 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 it's the blizzard um uh is i guess it's an mm mmrpg that they're doing sort of yeah and i saw that i was like that's what i wanted out of big hero 6 in that short how was it five minute long or something something like that Uh, it was really compelling i was like i like these people i like the kid i like the characters who come in anyway um yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of what it was. It was going to bug me <laughs> until I figured it out. Um, so you've been listening to Jupiter Ascending, Big Hero 6. Edmund, what have you been listening to? Uh, well, I don't have too much to contribute here because two of the three that I've listened to recently we're going to talk about below. Okay. Uh, Mr. Turner, which I just heard for the first time today because it was totally not on my radar. I don't think it was on anyone's radar. Nope. <laughs> um <laughs> And then the other two came at the tail end of my big re-listening to all of 2014 scores. And because mm. I do these things alphabetically, they were the two Hans Zimmer scores of the year, mm-hmm. being Interstellar and Spider-Man 2. Um, came out of both listens liking them slightly less than before, I think. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You, yeah, interesting. Go ahead. I mean, we're going to talk about Interstellar later, so I won't get into it too much. But the more I listen to it, the more I realize what a, that it's a kind of a one-trick score. Hmm. I think. I don't know. Now, and, do you have the expanded? Uh, yeah, I've, I've listened to some of the stuff from the expanded, mm-hmm. and that's partially why I say it's a what trick score, because, <laughs> man, it gets repetitive. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, Spidey 2, I still think there's some really fun, creative stuff in Spidey 2, but it is it is a little bit all over the place. You you were the biggest proponent of that score. Yeah, no, no, I still like it a lot. I still think he he did some interesting stuff there. I just think, as Zimmer has a tendency to do, he kind of got a little too carried away with some of the, with his own creativity and sort of forgot to keep the score grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it could have used a bit more cohesion, but still, it's still a fun listen. It still has some interesting it, stuff. It going made on. Um, it made our friend Eric's uh, top fifteen list, I think, fairly high. If, if memory serves, yeah, he liked yeah, he liked that one more than the Horner one, which I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> oh, really? I thought you did. I thought you liked it more than, than no, no, no. The Horner Horner's is still better. Okay, all right. Well, then, then uh, you you haven't lost your mind completely, which is good. No, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Interstellar, of course, was released uh, end of 2014 on Water Tower. The extended or the expanded or whatever limited special edition is also from them. I bought that, and I don't know if it was worth it. <laughs> um, it's a nice box 
with lights that come out of the bottom. I literally toured the Illuminated box apart. Illuminated star projection yeah, edition. I think you know it's worth it when the first thing you say is that it's a nice box. <laughs> <laughs> I literally took There's the box music apart. In it too, but really the box is I so I took cool. it apart trying to find more stuff. Because I was like, there's got to be more stuff in here than... Than a flashlight. <laughs> a bunch of little LEDs that go through pinholes. I was like, there's got to be more. And I opened up, oh, those are the LEDs and the battery. So that's it. Um, so yeah, I was a little disappointed. And you're very, very um, spot on when you say at least it's a, a lot of more of the same than what you get in the regular release. Um, but... Well, we're going to talk about Interstellar more later, so I'll save my opinion uh, for that at a later time. But thats they're both available. I think the limited edition is still available from Water Tower um, Records on their website. Um, I guess Spider-Man, didn't that have a... That was a two-disc release as well, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a two-disc release. Yeah. They're both from uh, Columbia Records. Okay. And Mr. Turner, of course, is from uh, Vares Sarah Band. Yeah. Which... which I don't know if anyone knows about that score. <laughs> um, uh, so I've been listening to, like most of all of you, uh, Jupiter Ascending. Um, it's already available digitally, probably on iTunes. I know it's on Amazon MP3. Um, I ordered the physical like two weeks ago, pre-ordered it from friggin' UK Amazon, and it's not going to get here until like February 23rd, um, which is really irritating. Um, but I've been listening to it on RDO. Was it RDO or Spotify? One of the two. Uh, it's as on RDO. Yeah. So if you're if you're wanting to know what all the hubbub's about, uh, you can go to RDO right now and listen to Michael Giacchino's Jupiter Ascending. Um, or buy it at Amazon. And if you buy it through our link on our site or in the notes of this show, uh, you can help support Soundcast when you do. Uh, I've also been listening to quite a bit since um, end of last year, a release called Coliseum, which is by Mark Timon Barcelo, and it's a, a movie score media release, and thank God for this label, because this <laughs> was like a live performance, kind of a, it was like a reenactment of the, of the gladiatorial arena, and so the music is just, it really is literally from Miklos Rosa to Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Um, and, and that's the spectrum that it goes from. Um, so you can think, you know, Ben-Hur to Gladiator uh, and then stuff in between. It's a really, really entertaining. And somehow he pulls that off and somehow they mesh together well enough as as different as those styles are. It makes for a really, really entertaining listen. Um, and I believe it's on RDO as well if you want to take a, a peek of it. But um uh, Mark, Timon, Mark Timon Barcelos, quite quite the composer. He he did something an earlier release. I think it's called The Little Wizard, and it was also released by Movie Score. Um, and I completely forgotten about it, so I went back and listened to it. And he's a really talented composer that um, really deserves a little more attention. So that's why I wanted to bring it up on this particular episode. Have you have any of you listened to that score, Coliseum or The Little Wizard? I have not. No. I haven't, although, I mean, I I had heard of Coliseum before, and I heard that sort of Rosha meets Simmer description, and it's like, man, I really have to hear this, because I have been having a very hard time imagining what that would sound like. Well, I mean, it's a, it's tracks that sound like Rosha and uh, Alex North, and then there are tracks that sound like Zimmer. So it's not a combination in one track. Oh, okay, that because that's kind of what I thought it would be, and I was like, no. oh, that's really intriguing. I mean, when it starts, you're like, 
Miklos? <laughs> I mean, it's just a whoa. That, the first couple tracks are, are very much in that vein, and then it kind of transitions over to more contemporary sound. Does he go kind of like back and forth between the two, or does he not uh, let them mingle at all? Not too much, at least not with the track ordering done you know, on that particular release. Mm. Um, there's a couple recurring themes um, that kind of bridge the gap between some of those stylistic changes, okay. but uh, it's, it's certainly worth a listen. Um, and lastly, uh, and of course, that is available at Movie Score Media site. I don't know if it's on Amazon, um, but I know it's on Movie Score Media site. Um, lastly, I finally saw The Book of Life, and I, I, I feel a little ashamed of myself that I didn't see it in theaters. Um, and I think I didn't because I, when I first listened to the music, which the soundtrack is not the, wasn't the best release I've ever heard in my life. The the, the the compilation of a few score tracks, um, and I'm always going to get his name wrong, and I, I butcher it every time. Gustavo Santaola, Santaola. <laughs> Come on, guys, help me out. Santaolala? I don't know. Santaolala, I think. Say it again, Richard. Santaolala. Okay. Santaolala. It sounds better with a British accent, even if you're saying it wrong. It sounds yeah. better. Nice. <laughs> Gustavo um, uh, gets a you know he gets a few tracks on the on the release, but there's a lot of songs, um, and I really didn't like the soundtrack release. Then I saw the film, and I have to say it's not the best animated film of the year, but in terms of visuals, it is the most amazing um, animated film visually. Uh, it just when I watched it and the the style of it, and then I think back to a Frozen. Or even a Big Hero Six, or it just it just leaves them in the dust stylistically. It, it's what about so, uh, what about Box Trolls? Box Trolls is fine. I mean, in terms of score, it's it was my favorite. It was my favorite of the year. Uh, but the 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 movie itself, you know, it has its own. Like it has its own visual style, which I appreciate. But this was just it was just so vibrant, and um, you know, we're so at least myself. Uh, I feel so inundated by all of this very heavy, dark, all this stuff. So whenever I get to see something that's bright and colorful, it really, I really latch on to it. Um, and I guess Big Hero 6 was very bright and colorful as well. But even so, this just is just on a whole nother level. And so from the stylistic art side, it's it's wonderful. Now, And so av- having seen the film, I've really come to appreciate the music a lot more. Um, and I actually like the soundtrack release now, now that I have context for all these songs and the little bit of score that makes it to, to the, to the release. So I've been listening to that as well. And I wanted to bring it up here um, because I just wanted people to give it a shot. If you haven't seen it, do see it. It's, I think it's on video on demand already. Blu-ray's out. I highly recommend Blu-ray because it just looks so stunning. Um, And give, and give the soundtrack a shot. But only after you've seen the film, because you may not like... I don't know if you guys have listened to it or tried to without seeing the film. Have you? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's got the... You know, it's got the Maricone reference. It's got a lot of... It references a lot of things. Um, I mean, it refer- or it has Bismarck <laughs> in it as well. But all of it, as, as eclectic as that is, the movie ties those things all together, and it actually works. Um... So I would recommend the Book of Life, score by Gustavo Sante <laughs> Santaolala Santaolala Santa Santa Santaolaya Santa. That doesn't look right, but okay. What he said, and uh, that was released this year, Sony Classical. 
Whew. So that's what we've been listening to. And as always, we love to know what you guys are listening to as well and what you think about some of the titles we have mentioned. And you can let us know several ways. You can email us, of course, at soundcast at tracksounds.com. You can leave us a voicemail <laughs> on our SpeakPipe widget right on our site. Hit us up on Twitter if you want, at tracksounds. Uh, we're also on Facebook, um, and we're on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe, if you haven't subscribed yet, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you can easily do so. We're on Stitcher Radio, we're on iTunes, um, we're on TuneIn Radio. So we're all over the place. If you want just a straight RSS feed, you can get that off of the tracksounds.com site as well. So let us know what you have been listening to. So, uh, we're going to move now into uh, a little special section we created just for Edmund Meinertz. Uh Before you do that, though, let me just give a shout out to uh, one person who contacted us in a very wonderful way, and that was uh, via our PayPal account. <laughs> That's the way we like to be contacted the most. No, it is one way you can contact us, though, and and help support this uh, podcast. And John from the UK made a very generous donation, which is going to help quite a bit with bandwidth costs for the next month. Um, so I wanted to give a special special shout out to John for make for making that donation. You can do the same. You can be like John if you want, and you can just go to our site. You can go to um, the Soundcast page, or I believe on the home page as well. You'll see a little PayPal button, and you can donate. And it can go straight to helping with the costs that one incurs for running a podcast like this. Um, so, once again, John, we thank you for your generous uh, donation. Yeah, now, thanks, John. hey, see? A shout out. Muchas gracias. <laughs> I'm glad his name wasn't Santiago Lala, though. <laughs> I, I didn't say his last name, but that's not why I didn't say it. <laughs> um, so, as I was saying, we have a special section just for Edmund today. Um, where he can respond to and inject some of his own thoughts about uh, the Battle of the Five Armies, because that was a really good episode. And I have to say, it was by far the most um, uh, socially, socially, I won't say, it didn't go viral, but it's the one I've seen talked about the most on the internet or on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, and of course, our thanks to Doug, Doug Adams for, for helping make that as good of a show as it was. Um, but Edmund, the floor is yours. Uh, take us to task on the Battle yeah. of Five Armies. Uh, well, before I start, I just want to say thanks for giving me the opportunity to catch up. I'm really kind of bummed out that I had to miss that episode of all things, considering how near and dear the whole Tolkien shebang is to my heart. And so this is very cool of you. Oh, absolutely. We yeah. wanted to get the Minert's mind <laughs> on this one. All right, well, um, I'll just be quick here and kind of just go through some of the things. Uh, I agree with pretty much what everyone was... I agree with both... I think, Marius, you said you enjoyed it, and Chris, you said you were disappointed by it, and I agree with both of you. You're talking about the movie. The movie, yeah, uh -huh, starting okay. with the movie. I agree with both of you, uh, because <laughs> I can never make up my mind with okay. these hobbits. I can never... <laughs> Maybe it was good that we didn't have you on. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. See, the, the thing is, while I'm watching them, 
I'm entertained. There's mm-hmm. spectacle. There's good acting. There's great visuals for the most part. Um, and it, it's Middle Earth. You know, there's a great score playing in the background. Yeah. Ian McKellen is there. Um, yeah, having a good time. And then after about about 20 minutes after I finished the movie, I'm like, yeah, but that was really stupid, and that was unnecessary, and that could have been handled like a million times better, and 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 the more I think about it, the less I like it. Mm-hmm. And that's been the same for all three Hobbit movies, and this one is no different. Mm. So I really hype, isn't it? <laughs> Say that well, again. It's, not, it's not hype. No, I mean when you're really looking forward to something, maybe you don't really see the flaws until a while after when you've had time to think about it. The At least thing that's is, my experience. Yeah, I kind of, but also when I go back and watch them again, I enjoy them again. Mm-hmm. They're entertaining in the moment as, as, you know, if they were just fantasy movies, just some generic old fantasy movie that didn't have the, the Middle-earth Lord of the Rings Tolkien name attached to it, I'd <laughs> probably like them <laughs> Seven Cent. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'd that comes like, out this weekend, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd probably like them a lot more than I do, or at least I could like th- I could enjoy them for the guilty pleasures that they are. Without you know, it's like okay, this is kind of like my favorite fantasy universe, and it's being a little bit kind of mutilated here. Yeah, I have a very love hate relationship with <laughs> the Hobbit movies. <laughs> well, you hit on a very good word, and I'll and I'll fess up to it right now. The Hobbit trilogy is going to be my guilty pleasure of the Tolkien universe. I own all of them. I own all, I will own all the extended versions. Um, if for no other reason to have the documentaries. I mean, I watch those more than I think I watch the movies. Um, but they are, my, they are my guilty pleasures of the Tolkien world. Um, they're not, I mean, they're not as good as the other ones. They're, they have parts that are flat out bad. Yeah. But there is a lot worse out there. Sure. A lot sure. worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it's... Again, I, I mean, I hate having to do this all the time, but you kind of compare it to the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, yeah, the Star Wars prequels suck in a lot of ways. Um, they were worse, right? Yes, they <laughs> okay. were. But okay. I'd, I'd still rather watch <laughs> a Star Wars prequel than, you know, any other kind of oh, wow. forgettable action movie of the year. I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I I can't go there, but (laughs) I don't know. There's just like, there's like a, there's a, a, yeah, there's a sense of spectacle there. It's It's an event movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that world and people love to see and watch that world and be in that world and those characters and regardless of how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I have I have a bunch of notes, other things about the movie here, but I don't need to get into it. It's all details. Um, yeah, move on to the music. Yeah. What did Yeah. What do you think about the score in the film? Um, it didn't make that much of an impact on me, to be honest. In the film, yeah, it was just kind of in the background, supplying the requisite Middle Earth sound, and it's you know it was Howard Shore. It was great. It was appropriate. It was what the film needed, but. It didn't. I don't know. There's no moment where it leaped out, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is the big defining moment." There's nothing, not even there's... the Durin dirge. Okay, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Someone actually 
knows what I'm talking about when I say that. They're like, what? The Durin Dirge? <laughs> like, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> Giant, like, 100-foot horns. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, it was awesome. I, like, um, I have to have that some way, somehow. That 20-second track. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it'll be my ringtone. It'll be on the Rarity CD when Doug Adams releases this book. That would be awesome. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, it made remarkably little... Im- like, there are no... I mean, even in... I guess... I, don't, I can't really think of any moments in Desolation of Smaug that really stood out to me either. But even in Unexpected Journey, there's that scene of them you know, going over the Misty Mountains and there's that big yeah, the arrangement of the theme. Of, yeah. And it was kind of, you know, it was kind of a callback to the, them leaving Rivendell and fellowship. Yes, and, yeah. you know, it was big, it was sweeping. It was like a whole m- couple of minutes with just the music and the visuals. Yeah. And that's what I'm missing mm-hmm. from the latter two Hobbit scores. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I listened to it first time on album, it was like, I wasn't, you know, I was engaged with it. It was great, but I wasn't, I kind of wasn't finding those like anchor moments that were getting me to come back over and over again. And you don't listen to them until you see the film. No, I listen to it after the film. Yeah. (laughs) Like the weirdo you are. Yeah. Okay. And does that help you or take away at all? Did you, were you like, man, I'm sure glad I didn't listen to it first. Uh, not really. Although, I, I mean, I was kind of almost expecting there to be stuff on the album that it wasn't in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there was with Unexpected Journey, especially. Yeah. Um, and then when I listened to it, I was kind of like, all right, it's all there. It's all great Howard Shore stuff. But where's the moment that will define Battle of the Five Armies, you know, among the larger picture? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I asked uh, Mary this, this question, and you both agreed when we did, I don't know, the episode on uh, Unexpected Journey, or no, Desolation of Smaug, you both missed the Misty Mountains um, theme. And I was saying that I did too, but then by this one, I had really grown to love uh, kind of the Durin's folk uh, theme as, that, as, that's, as its replacement kind of yeah D- did it grow on you at all or were you still missing I, the misty mountains i really like the durin theme mm-hmm. um i just wish that howard shore had been allowed to i think that's the uh, that's the right word to use um use one theme throughout all three movies just mm-hmm. to just to keep that sense of cohesion to keep that sense of identity because it, it's really weird for that theme which so dominates the first movie to just vanish entirely in the second and third and he does bring the Durin theme up in the third one a lot to kind of mm-hmm. plug that gap there's yeah. a couple scenes where it's like yeah this definitely would have been scored with Misty Mountains if it had been in an unexpected journey yeah um, and I guess in a way it's kind of nice to hear both both versions so that's the silver lining but I do wish it had been a little more centered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I-, I can see that it narratively wouldn't have made sense, but uh, musically, I guess it would have given it that through line. I guess that what it leans on is the whole Hobbit, um, the what is it called? The wisdom of not wisdom of the hob of hobbits, the courage, the courage. Yeah, they kind of use that. I mean, they don't use it very often, but that's the one that kind of is used in all three. Um, but I don't think it works. But mm. they kind of use it uh, in all three. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Anything else? The more I listen to the score, the more I grow to like it. Mm-hmm. Um. Like it, I still feel like 
of I mean of the six scores, it introduces the least amount of new themes. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that a plus for you or something? Or what? Are, no, I mean that's it's it's an observation. Point. It's not necessarily a negative. Yeah. Okay. But like, I mean, like with Sm- with Desolation of Smog, it was kind of like okay, wow, a lot of the stuff that was so great about Unexpected Journey is all of a sudden gone here, but, mm-hmm. but he's cramming a, he's crammed like six dozen new motifs in there that you have to explore. And this one, he's continued a lot of the motifs from Desolation of Smaug, but there aren't that many new ones to join it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah. the, there's the Ironfoot theme, there's the Gundabad theme, there's that Bard's Family theme, which actually is in Desolation of Smaug once very briefly. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of those cool moments where it's like, oh hey, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah, there are a couple of those with Desolation of Smog as well. well Iron I appreciate Iron that. Themes is pretty amazing, especially the version they didn't use, <laughs> the one that's on the soundtrack but not in the. In yeah, the I like that Ironfoot theme a lot. It's it definitely uh, kind of livens the score up. It's it's a lot yes. more lively than a lot of the surrounding material. Very true. Um, yeah, uh, I think he does a lot of very good development of existing themes, especially with regards to Lake Town. Mm-hmm. Like, like morphing that Lake Town theme from the kind of shanty-ish, folksy sort of theme it was in Smaug to the big boar-ready march. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I liked the short burst of nature's reclamation we got, the Eagles theme. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best moments, although... As with a lot of the good moments in this score, I felt like it was a little too short. <laughs> yeah, and I would I would have been happier if it had been Ents <laughs> that came instead of Eagles. <laughs> it's just like, oh, uh, on Eagles. <laughs> They're uh, back. It's that doggone J.R.R. Tolkien's fault. I know, it's what yeah. he does. It's what he does. But it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, overall... Now that the Hobbit trilogy is done, uh, music-wise, um, what 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 do you think the legacy? And that's the question I asked these guys in the last episode to finish. What's the legacy of uh, the Hobbit films? What's the legacy of? I mean, the, the 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 six films. What's Howard Shore's legacy going to be? Again, I think it's pretty much going to mirror the, the Star Wars original trilogy and prequels with regards to the scores as well. I mean, the original trilogy scores are still remembered to a far greater extent than the prequel scores are, despite the prequels being more fresh in mind. Mm-hmm. But I also think that since since the prequels have, you know, since we've, we've been able to give them a bit of time, the people have come to kind of appreciate those scores a bit more than they used to, and I think the same thing will happen with the Hobbit scores. Hmm. I mean, regardless of how disappointing they may be compared to their predecessors, they're still superior to like 90 to 95% of sure. the scores that surround them. And I think given a couple of years, once the disappointment has worn off, people can come back to it with uh, more willing ears, I guess, and rediscover them sort of. And I, th- I think that's happened a bit with the prequel scores, and I think it'll happen with the Hobbit scores as well. Hmm. Okay. But it's still the Lord of the Rings scores that'll be remembered in the, fu- in the future.
now that's going to move us on to our main topic of the night, which is talking about this year's uh, Oscar nominees for Best Original Score. So coming up uh, on February 22nd, we're going to have the 87th Academy Awards Ceremony, uh, which is presented by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And it's going to honor, of course, the best films of 2014. It's going to be held at the Dolby Theater once again in Hollywood, Los Angeles. And it's airing on ABC at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. Among the 24 categories that are going to be, at least, yeah, they'll do it. Because all these other award shows just, like, push off scores to the side. They will be revealing who the winner for the best original score uh, for 2014 is. And the nominees, as you probably know, but let me mention them again, just in case you don't know. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel by Alexandre Desplat. Imitation Game by Alexandre Desplat. Uh, Interstellar by Hans Zimmer. Mr. Turner by Gary Yershin. And The Theory of Everything by Johan Johansson. So, guys, what we're going to do, we're going to just take these one at a time and give our brief thoughts on each one. Um, and at the very end of the show, we're going to say we're going to reveal to the world who we think will win and who we think or who we would like to win, which is kind of our tradition. We do it every year. Um, and we're also going to share some. I asked this out on Facebook and Twitter and got a few responses of that same question. So we'll I'll mix some of those in into our conversations here um, in a few minutes. So let's start with the Grand Budapest Hotel. By Alexander de Plat. It was released way, way early last year. I think it was February of last year. Um, yeah, I'm astonished that the Academy would remember something that was released that early. Exactly. I mean, yeah. They, it, I forget how many nominations it got for uh, this year, but a number. And it's done quite well in the award season, at yeah. least nom- nomination-wise. Um, I thought it was a solid score. It At the time, it really didn't stand out to me. I mean, it was like, yeah, it's another good Deplas score and and that was kind of it um it really I would go back to it once in a while throughout the year but not very often so it wasn't bad but it really didn't stick out to me uh very much um Marius what did you think of Grand Budapest uh you know it's tricky I I kind of didn't go back to this score at all for the longest time and then, um, you know, leading up to the show, I, I gave it another spin and, and was listening to it. And it, the second time, or not the second time, but more recently, it seems to be leaving more of an impression on me. I, I remember having the same reaction as you had initially, where it was very, very well suited for the film. It's definitely a De Plas score, and it sounds like a lot of fun was had in its development. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't ultimately very memorable, and I don't know if I would change that verdict now, but I do think that I enjoyed it a lot more listening to it now than I did initially on album. Like, mm-hmm. within the film, within the film, I think it's just a perfect fit. I mean, there's there's no real complaint for me um, there. But uh, separately, yeah, I, I didn't find it too engaging the first time around. Mm-hmm. This time, I, for whatever reason, I found more to cling to. Like, there was just, it was more charismatic um maybe it was just because i i'd been listening to a lot of 
um, things in a different style. And yeah. this is so fresh and so, you know, different from, from the other things I was listening to that, um, it stood out for that reason. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's a solid score. I don't know if it's an Oscar worthy score. Um, mm. I mean, I, I don't know if I would have, um, put it on this list, but it's, uh, it, I can't really fault it on any particular point. And it's, it's definitely a quirky, <laughs> um, unique, uh, you know, piece of, uh, of scoring work. So, yeah. Well, let me back it up a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll get everyone's opinion on this one, but let me just ask all of you: when they announced the nominees, was it what? What was your reaction like? Is was it a typical like? Oh, well, yeah, pretty much. That's what I expected. Or disappointed? Or man, they really shafted this score, that score. Uh, did you have any reaction that way, Marius, when you heard about the nominees? Um, I I think my biggest thing was looking at it and going you know what the hell is mr turner um, yeah <laughs> i think that's what everyone said yeah. <laughs> to be honest i mean that was that was my main reaction and and i sort it's of left the, it there the what, there's who yeah exactly right i mean it, it was just it was totally out of left field i had no idea what they were talking about i had to go track it down but the rest of them didn't really surprise me um i'm i'm i was actually really happy to see the theory of everything on there yes. because i think johan is a supremely talented composer and and i'm just glad that he gets exposure for for anything really um yeah. and so but otherwise yeah i was i i can't say i was super surprised i i do wish um like i was kind of hinting at that the grand budapest had been left off in favor of something else i don't necessarily have a, a pick but something else because we don't need they plot on there twice again we know he's awesome was, it's you know yeah <laughs> yeah obviously yeah. mr turner was the real surprise but i was a little surprised that first of all the day supply got on twice mm -hmm. and second of all that it was grand budapest hotel mm -hmm. um i mean i guess i guess if he was gonna get on twice that would be the that other would be one, one. yeah um but yeah first of all yeah it came out in february since when does the academy remember anything that comes out in anything other than october november december yeah um yeah yeah richard so, oh sorry a little surprise there now nah, i was done what about you richard um yeah i didn't like it at all <laughs> so so there was a lot of different scores you were expecting to hear wanting to see nominated or oh what? sorry sorry i mean grand budapest hotel it's oh just something i don't i can't enjoy at all the first time i listened to it was the last time right <laughs> Um, and I don't think I'll ever listen to it again. It's just the quirkiness. I just don't enjoy it at all. And no, I'm, with, I'm, it, I'm, so. I'm a little bit with you there, Richard. Um, it's very much a Deflas score, but it's also very much a Wes Anderson score. Yeah. Oh, so, for sure. And that's the problem for me. That rubs me the wrong way more times than not. Did you did you see the film or like the film if you saw it? I didn't see the film, but I don't have a very good track record with Wes Anderson. Okay. Yeah. Which ones did you not like of his? Uh, I didn't like, I, I actually really, really didn't like the, um, Life Aquatic. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're um, fine. <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox is okay. Oh, I love that film. All right. Um, didn't irritate me that much, and I didn't like Moonrise Kingdom. Oh. Okay, so, so you know, the, the reason I ask you is because I walked out of Grand Budapest thinking that if anyone didn't like Wes Anderson films or wasn't familiar with them, this is the one I would show them. Really? Yeah, I this is shot. the one I would show them because it's it's different enough from his usual while still, uh, I don't know, it was less irritating to me 
um, really? than than his usual films. But it's also very, very much a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. I mean, if ever there was a filmmaker that you could <coughs> identify, you know, his work blindfolded, uh, th- this would be <laughs> this would be the guy. So yeah, I I think it's worth giving it a shot because it's it might just be the one that you're okay with, even mm. if you don't necessarily enjoy it. But it's I'd be curious. Yeah, I might give it a shot. I also hear a lot of people who say they like they didn't like the score at first, and they watched the movie, and it made and it made things click for them. So maybe it would help. Yeah. Um, I mean, I score, didn't particularly I, like Moonrise either, for what it's worth. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was very. Uh, it was what I expected it to be, but I also didn't really walk out of it going, "Yay, that was a great use of my time." I just wow. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed Moonrise. I think that's. It's like a tie with Fantastic Mr. Fox for his movies for me. I really enjoy both of those. Um, well, since we're talking, he's, a, he's such a hipster. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, he is, <laughs> you know. But I like that he has a very distinct style and he sticks with it for the most part, and, and he, yeah. he just does things that you're not supposed to do, <laughs> but it, but he makes it work, um, and, and I love that. Um, he's and the, a be- he's a better director than Brett Ratner. Well. Are we really complimenting him much by saying that? I'd much rather watch Brett Ratner's Hercules again than any of... Oh, my gosh. Yes, 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 I'm a Philistine. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I'm no hipster, and I'm, you know, I'm not liking Quirk for Quirk's sake, but I don't know, there's something charming about most of his films to me. Um, I might have to give him another chance, because it's a while ago since I saw a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, and Ralph Fiennes' performance in that is just... I mean, it's amazing in Grand Budapest. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah, he's spectacular. Uh, um, but while we're talking about De Pla, let's knock out his next score, nominated score, uh, for The Imitation Game, which did, which released much later in the year during the kind of awards um, time of year or nominating, qualifying type of film. Of course, it starred um, Khan and... Uh, Smaug, you mean? And Smaug, Khan, Smaug and Khan, Smaugy Khan. Um, it's done very well. Uh, I quite enjoyed the film. Um, I thought Smaug's performance was 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 solid, and I was unfamiliar with his personal story, and that's what really intrigued me. Uh, and I thought Alexander Desplat's score worked pretty well in that, and certainly a Desplat score, but I enjoyed it. And appreciated it in context more and out of context more than I did Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, anyone else see the film? I haven't yet. I want to. It's worth seeing. Um, so then, what do you think of the score, Richard, just on its own? Um, well, yeah, it's definitely an improvement of uh, Grand Budapest. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really stand out to me. I don't think any of his scores really do. Um, yeah, I can't really say. Obviously, I haven't seen the movie, but uh, it's nice. It's just a lot of the same <coughs> repetitive. Um, I don't know. I think I'd have to wait and see the movie yeah. to really give a proper opinion. It's not super distinctive unto yeah. itself. Uh, what about you, Edmund? I feel like this film was almost tailor-made to match Alexander Desplat's yeah. compositional voice, honestly. Because he always has that kind of like cold, slightly mechanical feel to him, mm-hmm. and like to use that to underscore 
a mathematician doing code breaking in World War II. That's just kind of like hits all the bases that Displa has already kind of hit in his career and hit well. Mm -hmm. And the score sounds exactly like I expected it to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's 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 good. I um I think he does a really good job of having those kind of cold rhythmic figures running all over the place, but the theme underneath them having that kind of hint of warmth and humanity to it. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it's an impressive score, but I just don't find myself returning to it very much, which is the story of my relationship with Diplas music. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that. What about you, Marius? I like this score. Um, I think it's a little unfair, actually, to compare it to the Grand Budapest because this is uh, clearly going to be more uh, listenable music. Mm. Um, I mean, Grand Budapest, I think, just by definition is going to be so so much quirkier that it's not really the kind of thing that you would sit down and like play while you have guests over or something but yeah um i don't know but the imitation game is is a is a very solid score um i think i was expecting or hoping or wondering if there would be hints of a beautiful mind mm. and things yeah. like that we'll get to that um, <laughs> which uh you know, but but I, I, I like I like the score. I think, uh, like uh, someone else mentioned earlier, if if there was any Deplas score that was going to be on the list for this year, it, it should definitely be this one. Um, it's it's certainly right up his alley, but it's also um, I don't. It doesn't sound to me like it's phoned in in any way. Like it's no. it's very carefully crafted. It just happens to be within his wheelhouse. So right, yeah, right. I think I'm I like Godzilla more than it though, hmm. in terms of Deplas scores this year. Do you think having the double noms hurts him? His yes. chances? Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? I, what's the last time a double nom won? I can't. Schindler's List. Was that a double nom year? Yeah, he got Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, and he pulled it for Schindler's List, didn't he? Okay. And yeah, he did win for it. I didn't realize it was the same year. I think. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I think that's the last time a double nominated composer managed to take it home and. Yeah, I mean, that, that year is a pretty special case for John Williams anyway. Yeah. I don't think this is anywhere near that level. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it would have been interesting had Godzilla been nominated. That would have been very similar in a way. Yeah. Um, but let's move on then to Interstellar by, of course, Hans Zimmer. <clears throat> we will probably do an episode in the future on this in more depth. Um, but we can talk about it a little bit here. Um Richard, what do you think of Interstellar being nominated? Do you think it was worthy and all of that good stuff? Um, I think the public reaction is a bit over the top. Public it, at it, reaction? Well, just the people on the internet. Claiming it's a similar score. score. Greatest score of all time. You know? Oh, they uh, say that every time he comes out. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tops That's himself true. every time. <laughs> it's a good one. It's not as good as I was hoping. Um, I think the video game score for Civilization is more along oh, the lines gosh. of what I was hoping for. Yeah, but from Zimmer, come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get I don't know. That. I think he could do something like that. He just Zimmer doesn't 10, want to. 10, 15 he never years has. But I think he could. It's just that these days he's more interested in being... Ambient. Yeah, just doing crazy stuff instead of something that actually fits really well. I can't see him ever doing a score like that. Not, Not now. Not no, no, but I mean, he, I think he'd be capable if he... Probably. He would probably be gritting his teeth the whole way if, if <laughs> someone made him. He was like, nope, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I just leave the project. Um, so it was a little disappointing. 
Um, does it surprise you that it's there, Richard? Um, when I say disappointing, I still enjoy it. It's just uh-huh. I didn't ex- have really high hopes for it. Okay. Because you know, recently he's not been at his honest game. I don't think. Um, Even though they put they you know they used a bit of it in that early trailer. Trailer, yeah, that was but it was a teaser, wasn't it? So it's kind of you didn't really get the idea, and the main trailer had stuff from Thomas Bergeson. Yeah. And obviously, I knew it wasn't going to sound quite like that. <laughs> yeah, as a good use of your Thomas Bergeson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I expected it to be um, nominated, uh, and I think um, I wouldn't mind if it won because I don't really enjoy the other ones. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I think Mary's there's many scores of his oh, though that have, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, no, go ahead. I think there are many ones of his that would deserve an Academy Award ahead of this though. Hmm. Like. Like. The Last Samurai, the one, The Lion King, that one, Gladiator. Or I was talking about nominated really. ones. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember what's been nominated. Uh, Last Samurai was nominated, wasn't it? Gladiator. Was it? Sure. It might have Gladi- been, but it was up I against don't think the last Return of the King. Was. Was it, not- it was, I think. It was, was Return it really? of the King year, though, so it was like <laughs> everything yeah, was else just get out of the way. Yeah, Gladiator was nominated uh, a couple from like way early on, like Rain Man. Yep. Um, was Inception nominated? Inception was, and so was Sherlock Holmes, to my surprise. Oh, I don't remember that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, Edmund, your thoughts on Interstellar being nominated? Um, yeah, I, I'm glad it's there. Um, I, th- I think it's Simmer's most nominee-worthy score in several years. Hmm. More and than Inception? More than Inception, yeah. Wow. I never, I never warmed to it. Inception... Never warmed to it, really. I, I like a couple tracks from it, but the overall sound doesn't do a whole lot for me. And in Interstellar, the overall sound, which is always kind of the most important thing with the Simmer score, I think is more interesting and more uniquely crafted. I like it. Emphasis on the over and all. <laughs> because yeah. the score is over all. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of... <laughs> But even in even in the way the music functioned, the for for Inception versus Interstellar, I have to watch Inception again because I honestly don't think I've seen it since like 2011. So oh gosh, okay, yeah. Uh, but I was never I was never a big fan of Inception, although the const, the constant horns of doom and all of film music ever since in the last four years have not helped. Yeah, that's true. It's not its fault, but yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see whether Interstellar will see organs of doom springing up all over the place. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. I, um, I, think, I think it's an interesting experiment. Um, and I, I, I find myself quite kind of like engrossed <laughs> by the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's got some good emotional moments as well. It works. It, it has moments in the film where it works really well. I think, mm-hmm. like especially the scene where he gets some messages from home. Mm-hmm. I, I, that that is that's one of the, my favorite pieces of cinema of the entire year. Mm. Um, I really like the movie too. In case you were wondering, um, <laughs> I thought parts of it were hopelessly overscored. Mm. yeah um but yeah i I like the score it's not an entirely it's not like every not everything about it is is incredible and i think it's quite repetitive especially when you get down to those the super extra ultimate awesome 
edition with 17 different demo takes of his first theme or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's not necessary, I don't think. Um, But yeah, I like it. Okay. Uh, Your thoughts, Marius? Uh, I mean, let's be honest. No one is surprised that this is on the list. Um, I mean, I would hope not. Um, Just because... There's got to be a Zimmer score. and I was a little. Know. I'll be honest. I was a little just because Mr. Turner's on there. I mean, anything could happen. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. More That's true. I was more surprised by Mr. Turner. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, do, I do think it deserves to be on there. It's a very – I think what I admire about the score above all else is that it, it has a certain emotional weight to the way it was tied to the picture yeah. that I haven't seen – or heard in a Zimmer score for a while. And uh, that really resonated with me. It just, it manages, it's connected to the film in an extremely satisfying way. Mm. Um, it's also an extremely loud way, mm. but that's, that's uh, to be expected. Um, I do think it's, it's overscored in parts. I, I really don't understand the um, fascination with the organ thing. I mean, yeah, it's a church organ, but it's <laughs> it's it's so I don't I I was just reading some of the comments that people have been leaving on the on the score, and it's like, have you have you guys never listened to Arvo Part? Have you never listened mm-hmm. to you know? But anyway, anyway that's that's yeah. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's that's a different uh, that's a different conversation. I I do think it's here uh, to stay um, sort of with with honors. It deserves to be on the list. I enjoyed the score probably a lot more than some of the contemporary Zimmer scores. Like I enjoyed it a lot more than inception, Mm. um, which I never understood the appeal of. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean this, this is one where I, I feel it's a very respectable work from him. Um, there's things that I would pick at, but it's again, overall really solid. I'm, I'm happy to see it on the list. Um, I guess we'll, we'll talk about our expectations a little later, so I won't get into that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's solid. Let me go back to what you said about inception. Um, I mean, time from inception is one of the most reused, overused, um, you know, people put it to put it on everything. And that has, didn't have much emotional appeal to you, or no, really? Wow. No, there. The, I never had. I never had any sort of emotional um, connection to the Inception score. I think it was. Uh, I like the film quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, but but musically, I just feel like everyone was so caught up in this technique. Uh, you know, the the sort of timing. Yeah. slow sampled um yeah which again is like super cool and that's great and and i i'm totally you know with him on a technical level there but musically speaking it really doesn't do much for me and it's uh, it's one of those things where i i kind of almost wish it it did um but inception is the score that really makes me understand the zimmer naysayers Mm. better Mm. than better than any other score because that one that one is just so, so one note, like so literally, literally. repetitive and like, <laughs> holy crap. It's just, oh, 
you know, uh, there, there are others, like, some of the other scores that have been critiqued by him, I feel like they're definitely, um, people are just missing certain layers, which is fair, but, you know, I, I, can, I can definitely defend Zimmer on some of the scores, but on this one, I, there's just, ah, hmm. I gotta, yeah, wow. I just, I can't. Because it, it feels like, to me, Interstellar, Interstellar feels like, He's taken that in kind of that uh, inception idea of coming up with one kind of hook and and just elongating it over the course of, you know, an entire film. Yes. Um, And there's a lot of that. And that's that's the part of the score that I don't like is mm. is how how um, obsessively he returns to that. And it doesn't it doesn't develop necessarily. What do you mean? Just gets louder. we all know Zimmer doesn't score to picture anymore, right? Well, it's it's not about whether he scores to picture or not. I'm just talking about how he's taken the material like, that he's generated. Dramatically it, doesn't develop yeah. It. it. Yeah. It gets louder. It doesn't get bigger. It doesn't. It it escalates in a very. Uh, There's not much development to it. Right. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Exactly. But but the spaces in between are are what I'm focusing on. Like mm. in Inception, the spaces in between are just sort of spaces but here you know the cornfield chase and and mountains and things like there there are cues on this soundtrack that aren't the big moments that are just so so tastefully written and so well married to the picture yeah. that it's it's it like at, atmospherically interesting mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i don't mind that they're simple because they should be in those cases and i i can't really like it's just it's such a good fit um and it's so well written as film music that i can't fault it on that level but again inception yeah for whatever reason it just i can't okay like it as much that's interesting uh i'll just say that um i enjoy the score well enough uh in in the film it was just and i blame it on the mix more than anything else it was just absolutely i couldn't hear people talking and and that just bugged me i was like in a in a movie that's such a high concept film where everything they say is important, like I need to know what they're saying or I'm not yeah. going to understand what's happening. So that's very frustrating. I hate to blame that on the score, but it was the mix of the score that was just obnoxious. Yeah, oh, it's but, a trend with Zimmer scores. I guess I've I've never not been able to hear people. Talking. Inception. There's a couple moments in Inception where the score sometimes threatens to drown out the dialogue as well. Maybe, but I didn't have that. It wasn't. I to wasn't this conscious degree. of that experience while I was watching the film. I've never thought, "What? Wait, what?" This and some of it was they just. It wasn't some. There were times when it wasn't any music there, and they're just talking, and I'm like, "I can't hear you," and so it wasn't just the music. Mm. overwhelming and it was sometimes they just mixed the the vocals too low and i'm like what what are they saying so i blame that on the mix um now since i've seen the movie and i've just been listening to the score it's actually grown on me and what's interesting to me it's so easy to just put it on and let it play and it's gonna undulate and it's gonna grow and it's gonna have its crescendo and it's gonna go back down and but it takes like five minutes <laughs> to build to the crescendo, yeah. And it takes five minutes to go back down, and then it comes. It's just like swells, of literal swells of waves just coming. And I've really, I think that's part of the appeal of his some of his work, recent works, including Inception, like Time. That's a really long track, right? It's like nine, ten minutes or something. Time is four minutes. Oh, there's something that's maybe it's the end. There's some, there's piece. some, there's some longer tracks on Inception. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I think there's like Old Souls is like eight minutes long, if I remember correctly. Okay. I, I think that track is boring as sin, but okay. But they have these very long, they're very long pieces. Yeah. And it seems like those are really set well when you just play them and you just do whatever. And I don't know if that's part of the magic or how it hooks it's, in to people. It's the, it's the Zimmer kind of like the way he approaches films. He he writes a concept album about the film, yeah. and then the music editors put it in. Yeah. Okay. Well, and maybe that's the, yeah. Commercially, it's working. That's for sure. Um, and, and I have to say, I you know I do enjoy you know the gimmick this time being the the church organ. It it's not what you expect to hear or to associate with a movie about time travel, space travel, dimensional travel. It's just not what you're expecting. And somehow he makes, he marries that and makes it work somehow. Yeah, I agree. Um, And and so that's to be appreciated. So, um, you know, and it's grown on me as I've listened to it just as music. Um, It did surprise me a little bit that it was, it was nominated Um, because I didn't hear a lot of buzz about it in terms of it being nominated. Um, so I wasn't sure if it was going to reach that level. So, um, but there it is. Um, so speaking of, speaking about surprises, uh-huh. uh, that brings us to Mr. Turner by one Gary Yershon. Um, I'll start and just say, I couldn't get through this film. Um, it was, uh, and you know all the film critics out there will just be like what are you saying it was so boring it <laughs> was so so slow the opening shot amazing I mean and I thought oh this is going to be something special just this one long take of the sunrise and he's walking up towards camera with his little uh, paints and easel and these couple of little Dutch women or whoever they were it was fantastic but literally, little did I know the whole, f- the pace of the film that I could get through was like that one long shot. <laughs> uh, it was just, I couldn't get through it. And I, I, I literally stopped watching it. Um, the score is interesting. I would have never have guessed in a million years I would have found its way onto um, this list of nominees. Absolute shock is all I can say. I don't know how it got there. Um, is it undeserving? I'm not entirely sure it's not. Um, it might be because I didn't get through the film, so I don't know how much better it operates later. But that's my reaction. Um, Richard, what about you? Did you see this film or know the score or anything? Um, no, I haven't seen the film. I didn't know it existed until the nomination. <laughs> um, I still don't know what it's about, actually, but... Um... I just recognized the guy, the actor on the cover. Oh, um, right. <laughs> he was in uh, um, Harry Potter. Timothy Spall. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I just heard it for the first time today on audio, just for this podcast. But honestly, I didn't finish it. It was... <laughs> and the album's fun. like 28 minutes long, so... But I totally, totally feel you there. Yeah, it's not... I mean, the subject matter really sounded interesting to me. Um, I was really anxious to see it. It's about um, this painter, a British painter, uh, Turner, obviously is his name. I can't, J something Turner. JMW, I think. Yes, JMW Turner. Um, And he's just really kind of out there. Um, But an amazing, amazing painter. But it's just, he just has these crazy relationships 
with people and he's just really quite out there and um i really didn't expect it to be as slow as it was i i, I really wanted to see this guy's life and i couldn't get through it literally literally could not get through the film um so, so you saw it in the theater did you no screener uh, uh, no, okay. I, yeah. Right. If I went, I'm normally for. I don't think I've ever walked out of a film. Yeah, yeah. Trying to think about it, uh, it was a screener, so I was just like, you know what? I've got other movies to watch. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> done. Um, so yeah, that's the, uh, maybe one day I'll finish it, especially if it wins the <laughs> Oscar for best score. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be popping it back in to see just what happened. Um, but that's my experience. Um, what about yours, Edmund? I haven't seen the film. Um, but I've, I've seen the trailer a couple of times and there's some beautiful cinematography going on in there. Mm-hmm. And then just before I started listening to the, um, score, I went, on, I went on Google images and I looked up some of his paintings and they're obviously with the, with the uh, cinematography of the film, trying to mimic kind of the light, the, the use of light and yes. kind of the vividness of his paintings. Yes. I, I, I like the paintings. They're quite beautiful oh yeah and i was thinking to myself what kind of music would kind of accompany those um those images well and i was thinking you know something kind of impressionistic and sort of very colorful and serene i i I, the the closest thing i could come to in film score terms is like james horner's the new world oh ew <laughs> no. not a fan no i'm not a big fan of the new world I, i'm not a I'm, I'm, I'm not i'm not the biggest fan of that score either but just kind of i don't know just sort of the you would want to have pe- like a female vocals kind of mouthing sounds and things i don't remember that from the new world i remember a lot of like yeah. tinkly pianos and ambience and stuff and i thought there was some sort of very female vocalizations going on in there oh uh, that's not yeah that's what comes Maybe. to my mind immediately when you said that yeah but all right. Well, I don't know. I just, I was just hearing this kind of like impressionistic, very sort of tone poemy. I guess maybe like Debussy is sort of the the direction. And then I put the score on, <laughs> and I'm treated to half an hour of clarinets trying to sound like dying ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no, not what not what I expected, not at all. And yeah. really, one of the most difficult under thirty minute albums I've ever had to sit through. <laughs> Well, just think of a film that would match that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, although, no, it's not as interesting as that sounds. How long is that opening shot? It's not. And it's maybe. It's not like a complex. Uh, no, it's literally a static shot. Oh, okay. But it's just one. It's it's a Lawrence of Arabia dude, you know, coming in straight. At, it's not quite straight. It's at an angle. But it's these two women walking up and he's on like a a levee and it's just it's a sunrise and it must be 30 seconds or it's long i mean it's a long shot um maybe longer than that but i was i was immediately hooked i was like oh this is gonna be a great film yeah no um (laughs) marius did you have any experience with mr turner uh no no i'm in the camp that didn't know it existed until the nomination um (laughs) It's good marketing. I did. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> um, I listened to the album, and it's an interesting one. I, I my initial reaction was, this is exactly the kind of album that film music critics who don't actually know what they're talking about 
want to say that they like to seem <laughs> like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is art well, music. Now we know why it was nominated. This mm-hmm. is this is art music, right? So it's obviously the kind of stuff that you're not really going to consider listenable or whatever, and that's right. fine. But <clears throat> to see it on an Oscar nomination list is a little peculiar. Um, not only because it's it's stylistically challenging, but mm-hmm. also because it's not that good, um, even within the like it's just it's not there's not a lot of substance to it and it's no. it, it even comes across in the uh, in the like you'll notice that most of the track lengths are not even a minute long mm-hmm. which is interesting and again I maybe there's some justification to that within the actual film uh, having not seen it and it doesn't after seem your glowing like review there's a I, lot of music in it now that now thinking about it you know it what I mean? It must not be. It's, if it does come, it, it must be very short pieces like like the soundtrack. I, I can't well, even remember. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the track list right now, and it's like, okay, 58 seconds, 39 seconds, 28 seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're really, there's a, really There's like short. a long piece. There's like a longer track at the beginning and the end, and then everything in the middle is itty-bitty pieces. Yeah, they're very short transitional cues, but I mean that that doesn't bother me necessarily. It's just stylistically, um, I get that it's challenging, but musically, it's just not that it's, good. It's not it's an really, Oscar-worthy score. It just isn't no, on any level. Even if you're a fan of this particular kind of challenging yeah. um, modern music, it's not even good for for those standards. So it's just it's a very strange thing, and I. I, you know, I'm surprised. I'm happy to be surprised by something that I hadn't, um, you know, heard of before and things like that. But I wish it had been a pleasant surprise. I wish it had been something like, oh, my goodness, I've just discovered this this new composer <laughs> or this new film that I must now explore further. But I, you know, I came out of this album being like, oh, thank God it's over. And also, I don't really care what he does in the future if this is the the style that we can look forward to. Not because yeah. it's just not, you know, it doesn't do much for me. Well, when you become a real seasoned critic, Marius, you will come back to the score and love it. Yeah, okay. that's 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 when we know. That's when we <laughs> know that I've graduated. Group think will get to you eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I think what bothered me most about the score is not that it was so impenetrable, um, although that I mean, that was a factor. But it's just it's so static; it never changes. Mm-hmm. Each each track is just the same. The same little, the same really high-pitched clarinet or oboe. I can't even tell what it is. When you put a wind instrument that high up, no one, you can't really tell the difference. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of sliding around unmelodically. It, it, I would say it feels improvised if it wasn't for the track that all the, the fact that all the tracks are like identical to each other. <laughs> Repeated improvisation. Yeah, no, it doesn't do much for me. No, it doesn't do much for me at all. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, on that night, February 22nd, if it wins, we'll have to have, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to have a debrief or something to to find out what just happened. Yeah. Any of the voters uh, actually going to listen to it? I mean, I don't, don't even they don't even watch half the movies, do they? Really? I mean, they yeah. all get sent screeners, whether they watch them or not, who knows? But I mean, based on that article a couple of years ago. Where the people are saying, oh, I don't, I don't watch animated movies because they're for six-year-olds. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, 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 that was good. So. It could be. It could. Uh, but still, some, somebody voted for this thing. Yeah, and, how did it get on there? Uh, 
And they didn't, at least they, if they spend any money on, you know, marketing to, you know, in the award season, I didn't get, I don't think I got anything other than the screener itself. Usually, you know, the ones that end up on here, they usually have marketed themselves pretty well, but I, I'm, I'm just at a complete loss. So when I first saw it on the list, like I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but I assumed it would just be kind of a fine dramatic score. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like a f- forgettable but competent piece of dramatic scoring, mm-hmm. um, and and so my first thought was like, well, at least it's not Under the Skin or Gone Girl or oh, Birdman. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Yeah, um, um, yeah. But now that I've listened to it, I'm not even so sure I like it more than Gone Girl or. <laughs> I mean, Gone Girl's much better than that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> much more effective, I'll say that. It's very effective. Is this the, is this the biggest surprise nominee in this category that you can think of ever, or at least you know just in the well, there's a similar one last your brain year. You can was there? Yeah, her. Eh, no, so no, I don't think that was as people much knew that existed though. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that I had buzz. That I didn't had... remember hearing any, but I guess I, I guess so. I can't think of anything that was more out of the blue than this off the top of my head. Um, I guess looking back, look, looking at other nominees, but I just can't, I can't bring up anything that comes close. It's like, what? It's absolutely astounding to me. But we'll see. I, I'm wondering, because, I mean, the film got very good reviews, but for some reason it barely got nominated for anything else. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if this is kind of a consolation prize. Oh, dear. I hope not. That would just be, come on. Yeah, but it would, I mean, it's kind of what they did to the social network. <laughs> mm, what, you mean because it got best score? It won best score, but it barely didn't win anything else. I don't know if that's consolation. I mean, that's, you know, it's Trent Reznor. You know? Mm. There yeah, you that's go. A, that's a factor, too. Well, this is Gary Yershon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, we'll find out. All right, let's move on to the last one. This I, I'd like to get you guys' thoughts on. The Fear of Everything by Johan Johansson. Um, your thoughts on that one, Marius? Um, okay, so this is funny. I, I'm praising him and saying that, you know, I'm, I'm so very happy for him, and I am. Um, but this is actually not such an awesome score to hmm. me. I mean, it's, it's very enjoyable. It's very pleasant. But it's, um, it, it sounds like him being a Hollywood composer instead of him being him. Uh, in a sense like there's there's a lot of um there are hints of his musical character throughout the score mm-hmm. but it almost feels like they were you know going to him and saying you need to put on your alexandre de Pla hat and mm-hmm. and give us a score and and he did and it's again he's he's so talented just as a composer that he he pulls it off but i i feel like it's a little unfortunate that he didn't get to be more himself i guess with mm-hmm. the music but again it's not a, that's not really a, a knock against the music that's just sort of a a, a side thought um i think it's a very solid score and again i'm just i'm thrilled that he's going to be getting some exposure out of this because i i very much want to hear more of his music attached to um scores i mean i think i think the moment when he hit mainstream awareness most was when they used one of his songs from an older album 
in the trailer for Battle LA. I think that's when he first did he do um, that? Yeah, you know that that sort of creepy haunting one yeah, for the great did, great trailer that I made us think it was going to be a good movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's kind of like that, what happened with Godzilla. Yeah. So yep. that was that was one of his songs. One of you know from from an older album, and I, I think that's that was him. Yeah, and I think that's when he sort of hit mainstream awareness a little bit, and I've been you know rooting for him ever since. But I think the uh, yeah, it's you know when you think of that piece of music. And you listen to most of his albums, mm-hmm. um, you'll see that it's that's that really his yeah. style. That's mm-hmm. that's what he sounds like, you know, yes. authentically. And so then you look at this score and you're like, well, this is really not that kind of thing. I mean, there again, there there are hints of it. There's that flavor because you know it's his voice. He can't get away from that. But right. it's just I I I'm a little saddened that he didn't really get to explore things with his take on it um, a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a little more purely yeah um, but still it's a solid score i'm glad it's on the list um yeah no 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 complaints about it or anything like I, that I, I kind of felt similar when i first heard he was announced um and ha- having heard some of his other music not knowing that he wrote that piece that was used in battle la but that style of you know that's his style yeah. um i was like really and then prisoners where his name really became where i recognized his name and could associate it with a film score. That was the first time. That was just, what, two years ago, I think. Um, so I thought it was a really interesting choice. And then to hear it, and it was it was so upbeat and full of so much hope, um, that really surprised me. Uh, and the movie as well, kind of, it, it, I mean, it has its moments, but... You know the overall picture they're painting. I think is a is a positive one, and and the score helps to do that. And I really enjoyed it. I I don't think the film is one of the. I mean, it's an okay film. I think the performances are amazing in it, and they are duly nominated. Um, and I think the score really fits the type of film that they were that they made. And and I really enjoy his score. In fact, I enjoy that score better than either of the Deplas scores that have been nominated. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's a very likable score. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and the theory of everything looked like from the trailers. It looked like a film tailor made for a Depla, and uh, so I was glad they went different direction. Maybe he was offered it and couldn't do it. Um, not all that different. But what's that? Not all that different in the long run, considering how the score sounds. I think uh, it to me, Depla's music rarely has that that edge of joy on it that's that true kind of that's, that's true um because i you know because i initially had that thought too it's like oh it's gonna this is a day this is Depla territory and then listening to it and com- list, going back and forth between Depla and this score and i'm like no Depla doesn't normally go here um so i quite enjoy it and it worked in the film so i'm quite happy to see it uh, on this list um Actually, if if uh, now that I'm thinking about it, if there's a score that is worth listening to from Johan, who um, that's I think a little more in the vein of his usual independent work, mm-hmm. it's for a documentary, and I totally uh, forget when this documentary came out. Uh-huh. I, it was fairly recent, but it's called Free the Mind. Yeah, um, that is a much more. I think that album represents his native film scoring voice a lot better um i think he was given free reign with that one or, or he's got that to ice it. he's icelandic and he's got that icelandic thing going on absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah yep. yep very much so 
Um, Edmund, did you go on this one already? No. What, what are not your thoughts? Not quite yet. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I, I've, I'm not familiar. I mean, I've heard of Johansson before. I kind of know what the style of music he's associated with, and uh, but I've never heard anything of his before, and I can only assume that this isn't what he sounds like, as um, Marius said, because what this sounds like is if someone put Defla, Korzeniowski, and Horner into a blender, watered it down something fierce, <laughs> and then spat it out again. Hmm. That's hard. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound, <laughs> but I find it very safe and somewhat devoid of personality hmm. do you see the film no okay you should see the film i know i really should i keep missing <laughs> all these <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, i think it works pretty well in the film no I'm, I'm sure it does it's 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 very pleasant mm-hmm. um there it's quite beautiful at times even it, mm-hmm. i mean it goes to good places um but it just it seems I don't know. It's it's a little too standard and safe for me to really consider it worthy of being considered one of the five best scores of the year. Mm, I get you. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. It's competent. Yeah. All right. Richard, what about you? Um. Yeah. It's nice. It's uh. I feel like it has a few moments where it suggests it's going to reach some sort of peak mm. emotionally, and it never makes it there. And I. Like, like you get on edge, you're like, oh, okay, the good part's coming in. It never right. quite arrives. Um, right. And it was in those moments where I thought maybe I'd rather if James Horner had taken this one. Hmm. I felt the same with the imitation game as well. Uh, okay. But maybe it's just that I miss his music. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I could see I could see him doing either of those as well. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting to compare those two scores because the movies are quite similar to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the scores have their similarities similarities too. They both have a lot of kind of like that, those fast piano runs going on that Mm -hmm. are also, that were also in a beautiful mind and stuff. Um, I like this plaza a bit more because I feel like it has that sort of, first of all, it has that voice, that Deplat voice. Mm -hmm. This feels, this feels to me more, generic I, I know i can't really i can't really relate with what marius says is johansson's voice kind of poking through because mm-hmm. i haven't heard anything else of his but to me this sounds fairly personality free hmm. um and i think Dave plus has a little bit more of an edge a little bit more intrigue to it which i find it i find it a more engaging listen than this one yeah yeah i think the tones of each film kind of echo that um imitation game is a little edgier it's a little more of a thriller yeah yeah and and this is not it's really i wouldn't call it light-hearted but it's lighter than imitation game it's dramatic but it's hopeful you know it's like it's the opposite of what you know i expected this descent into not madness but just you know despair with, with yeah with what's happening to him and they're telling the exact opposite story in a way that yeah, this is happening to him physically, but he's, he's ascending. Okay. Yeah, his mind is expanding while his body's contracting. You know, it's it's, it's and and I found that a very beautiful kind of juxtaposition. And and the music is on the side of the joyful expansion side. Um, so that's why I think I really it's, connect I, to it. Yeah, it, it is it is a lot more upbeat, but I also feel like it, it's very restrained in its joy. Yeah, I mean it's not ode to joy. Okay, but... well, I don't I'd expect anything like any fireworks like that, but I feel like it, it holds it holds back a bit too much for me to really love it. Hmm. I don't know. 
it, if it gotten much farther, it wouldn't have fit either. They're, they're, very, very possibly, there yeah. There just weren't any moments really like that in the film. Okay, well, before we close out and give our who's who we would like to win, who will win, um, guys, why don't you, and then I'm going to read some of uh, what uh, our, our um, friends online have, sh- have said who should win, who will win. Um, before we do that, though, how can people find and follow you, uh, Richard? Um, at Monkey Butler Man on Twitter. All right. And uh, Marius, how can people find and follow you? Uh, Twitter's easiest. Yeah, I'm just at mostly Marius. All right. And Richard? No. Edmund? Um, yeah, Twitter's probably the easiest for me as well. Just at Edmund Minerts. Okay. Now, you guys didn't respond to my direct, my group direct message. So. Yeah, just, I forgot. I was, I was going to. <laughs> just, I'm just letting <laughs> the listeners this. know. <laughs> They might not hear back from We done goofed. (laughs) Um, And of course, you can uh, follow us, Track Sounds, on Twitter, at Track Sounds. Um, Of course, email, as I've shared earlier, soundcast at tracksounds.com. Hit us up on Facebook. And if you're interested in following me, Christopher Coleman, personally, you can do so at C. Coleman on Twitter. Now, as the drums roll... Oh, wait. No, not you guys yet. Um, the last two questions we're going to ask for the night is who would you like to see win and who do you think will win? Well, here's what some of our friends from the social media world have said. Uh, Isaac Foster from Facebook, he said the theory of everything will win. And he said the imitation game, well, I think he's covered all his bases here. The imitation game or Interstellar should win. Then he added his own characters. A dark horse winner would be the Grand Budapest Hotel and should have been nominated was Gone Girl. Uh, Before we go any further with that, um, I did expect to see Gone Girl nominated. I was Um, glad to see that it wasn't. Very glad. I mean, if it had been there instead of uh, Mr. Turner, would have you been... You know, would you have been... Are you more surprised that Mr. Turner's there than if had Gone Girl been there? Oh, very much so. Yeah. If it was Gone Girl, I would have... Uh, you sighed in despair and be like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> it's very effective in the film. I'm sure. It's it's not, you know, I've listened to it outside of it as well, but it, it is a, it does its job quite well. I mean, it matches the crazy tone of that film very well. Um, I think all of those, their scores, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, I think they all fit pretty well. Just, they don't do enough. Yeah, like us, really. Yeah, they do their job. I would have been fine with Gone Girl being on there. I I found it for some reason more likable than the rest, um, than the other ones. It's it's (laughs) definitely great in the uh, in the film, but also separately, I found it a little more. um, Maybe there's just more interest because it it does cover a little more range. I feel Mm -hmm. like there's more um, just musical dynamics in it. Mm-hmm. And, and moods and such. And I think I preferred it to social network. I mean, I don't know if that's saying much, but I think I do in terms of the score, I think. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know how much that's I don't think I could it, bring but... myself to listen to either of them often enough to know which one I <laughs> like least <laughs> or hate least. <laughs> <laughs> or a girl the dragon tattoo. I'll take this over that any day. Um, our own Thomas Medina... Um, at Thuromus on Twitter, he, he, he chimed in and said uh, he, his vote would be for Interstellar. 
as would like to win, and Imitation Game will probably win, and that's because none of the nominations are super duper exciting. So I'll vote for Interstellar and a vote for Imitation Game. Uh, someone's going to say something? Yeah, I, I don't think Imitation Game is likely just because of the double nomination. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, that's, that's a good point. Um, Michael Wilson, uh, at BigMike829 from Twitter, also responded. He said the winner will be Theory of Everything, and who we think should win is Interstellar. Such so two votes for Interstellar, or three votes on the should win for Interstellar uh, from, our, from our wonderful audience. And lastly, Tillman Shipers, I hope I'm saying that correctly, I'm at Shipers on Twitter. He says he thinks... Um, at Real Hound Zimmer should win. Of course, that's Interstellar. But Alexandre de Pla will win. He didn't say which score. Um, so, it seems like the fan vote is going out to Interstellar. So now we'll go to you all with your big picks for 87th Academy Awards, uh, Oscar for Best Score. Richard, who would you like to see win out of the list that's there? I would like to see Hans Zimmer win for Interstellar because he, okay. it's it's not boring like the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Turner's not boring. Uh, <laughs> if you can, if you can. The sinus home. headache isn't boring either. <laughs> yeah. See. Okay. Uh, who do you think will win? Um, I think probably the theory of everything. Okay. I think it has a better chance in terms of the movie, so maybe that will help. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Edmund Meinertz, who would you like to see win the Oscar? Uh, I would would like to see Interstellar take it home, Um, although I'm a little bit, if that were (laughs) to happen, I'm a little bit dreading to see what the legions of Hans Zimmer fans would say or do. um, I'm going to guess celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I don't yeah, think they like go out and torch cars or anything. Yeah, no, there'll, there'll be no, there'll be no living with them after this. <laughs> ah, I see. Yeah, uh, I see. Um, however, I think it is by a fair length the best of the scores there, and I want it to win. Although I, I wouldn't mind Dipla winning on principle because I find the composer deserves it, but I don't think either the scores there necessarily represent him at his best. Mm, okay, he just has to beat out what's there. Yeah, but I think he's gonna he's gonna end up beating out himself and then not beating anyone. Okay. What, so who do you think is, will win? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, it's okay. It's okay. What is what? Um, I was just gonna say what is what is his best score then? I, nothing really stands out for me. Just quickly. I think my favorite of him is is Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> it's I like it. It's I know it's a lot of people do. I don't. Or, it's either that or, or Deathly Hallows Part 2. That's probably where I would go. Yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten he did Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah, not the first Part 1 was kind of boring, but the second one... Stepped was, it up for the second one, yeah, it was yeah. good. There's some uh, good moments in the first one, too. Are there? There's yeah, a getting few, to Snape's yeah. house, and there's a really, really touching scene in the graveyard where there's the music just does something incredibly beautiful... Um, when Harry visits his uh, parents' graves, there's there's moments that are that are good in that one. Yeah, you know, it would have been better if he'd used Window to the Past in that scene. 
Yeah, I don't know what that is, but okay. The, the recorder theme from uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah, it's it's for his family. It would have been so perfect. All right, never mind. Uh, what I think will win, um, theory of everything, honestly, because the Oscars like them a dark uh, someone who they like they like to give the statue to people who most people haven't heard of. Uh, I think. Are you Sean? Well, <laughs> I think that one's going to alienate too many people. Um, I think Interstellar has a. Has a real chance, to be honest. Just because if you kind of if you kind of look back over the years, there's a lot of, like, for example, if you take Life of Pi, that won the score. Um, even though the film was mostly nominated for technical awards, and right. the same thing can be said for Interstellar. Hmm. Um, and Hans, yeah, Hans, I mean the Hans Zimmer name probably will carry a lot of weight. Yep. So I think it's between those two. Okay. All right. Makes sense, uh, Marius. Who do you, who would you like to win this thing? Yeah, this is tough. I'm I'm I had a lot of trouble with this uh, set of questions this year because it's it's tricky. On the one hand, I I would like Johan to win again because I I admire his work, but mm -hmm. it's it's not really. First of all, it's not representative of his work, but second of all, it's really not the best score of the year. It just it isn't. And the best and, score of the five is all we're looking. That's all we've got. Yeah, but I mean, the Oscar is supposed to represent the best, you know, of the year. So I just I can't square that circle in my head. But anyway, so <laughs> so I think I think that I I have to say I'd like to see Interstellar win. I think that musically it is the most compelling here, and especially again, this is because we're thinking about this in terms of film scoring and not just music. Mm -hmm. I think Interstellar is. Um, it has to win because the the way that the music interacts with the picture, uh, mix issues aside, of course, um, is just is the best of that's, all. Of that's these. another thing that I. Uh, that's a good point. I'd like to elaborate on that just for a second. Um, th uh, scores that are very noticeable tend to win. So if you look back to the mm. artist, which is the only thing anyone heard in that movie, mm. um, it won. Mm. Um, and uh, there's another example that. I'm forgetting it right now. But that's oh. such a unique situation, the artist. Yeah. I mean, that's the only sound you had. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a fair one to, to use as evidence for this, but and, it's... And then Gravity, mm -hmm. where the score kind of, the score Again, kind of played the role of the sound effects for a lot of yeah. it and was very kind of exposed and noticeable and drew a lot of attention to itself. It's very and true. I think Inter Interstellar takes that box too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And Gravity was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Hmm. Well, if it wins, that will be a that will make a really solid case. Yeah. Hmm. Food for thought in any case. Yeah. But I'm, even in the case of Gravity, I would argue that it it was you know that was same idea as Interstellar. It it was a really good piece of film scoring. You know, it, yes, it, it was noticeable in the film because it wasn't competing with with sound effects, right? For once, but it it also just was very very well written against the picture, um, or, or well attached to it, and and definitely the same for Interstellar. Hmm. As for which will win, that is that is a tricky 
question. I'm I'm almost I half hope that Mr. Turner wins. <laughs> no, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Listen, uh, if Mr. Turner wins, then we can just give up on the Academy entirely. And we won't even... Like, oh, I did that be, years ago. Be, no, but this will be clear. It'll be like, okay, obviously no one listened. Or everyone listened together and one person... I did just sat around awkwardly in silence while this was playing. And then someone was like, it's <laughs> it's good. And then everyone else finished the sentence. It was like, good, good. And then they all agree with each other. And then uh, that's how opinions are formed. <laughs> so I'd almost... I'd almost like to see Mr. Turner, but uh, realistically, I think it will probably be Interstellar. I do. I think Alexandra's double appearance here is is gonna remove him from the, the vote. Yeah, it'll split the vote. Um, I don't think Theory of Everything. I mean, it might pull through, but ultimately, Hans Zimmer. I mean, that's just it's a brand. So there's a lot of a so lot you're of picking Interstellar there. on both. Yeah, Want I think Interstellar on both. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah, I had a real hard time picking as well i think i'm pretty sure i want theory of everything to win um simply because i think the music works pretty well in the film even though it's not the best film of the year i think it does its job really well and it's also i really enjoy listening to it i've listened to it i listened to it incessantly for a couple of months and it's another you can just put it on and it's good and makes you feel good and so I, I I just think he's done a, a good job, even though it's not representative of his work as a whole. Um, uh, I think he's and I wish the tracks were longer, the pieces were longer. It really deserves like a suite because the tracks are very short. It's true. Uh, yeah. Um, and I don't know how that impacts anything in terms of the Oscars are concerned or people are listening to the, you know, the, the demos that get sent out. Um, and you have this 10 minute thing that comes from Zimmer and you have, well, it obviously worked for Mr. Turner. Um, <laughs> short 20 second tracks. Yeah. Everyone's short attention span. That's it. It's like, man, that was only 30 minutes. Wow. I'm nominating that one. Um, so I'm going to go with want to win theory of everything. And I'm going to go with, ah, I'm going to buck the trend and somehow, some way, Grand Budapest Hotel is going to win. Not based on the score, but because the film is so beloved and people are just they're going to just do it. They're going to. You think it's going to sweep? You think it's going to sweep a lot of the categories? I think it's going to win in a number. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to do pretty well. Um, just, uh, there's no movie this year where it, it feels like it's kind of like destined to sweep, like how Twelve Years a Slave was last year. Or... Yeah. Yeah, so we'll find out in a couple weeks. Like, a couple weeks, we'll find out the winners. Um, so, if I'm back in town and can actually sit down and watch the Oscars that night, I will probably live tweet it uh, as I want to do. But uh, that's going to wrap up episode 79 of the Soundcast, our Oscar nomination hoedown. Um, want to thank you all for listening and um, um, letting us know what you think about this episode and any of our previous uh, and taking so much time out of your busy schedule to share a few moments with us to talk about film music so until our next episode we want to thank you and say may the notes be with you oh flacton nominations